The WTA has been so awesome this year. Yes, for sure. They're the star of the year. Wait, the WTA was so good that I forgot that other thing we cover. Oh, yeah. What What is it again? M- m- men's tennis? Oh, yeah. I guess that rings a bell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Josefina and Shravya. Shravya and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Josefina and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Hello, we are back with another episode of Hold On To Your Racket. Today is December 12th, and for Shravya and I, that means we are coming in hot with the, you know, winter break vibes. We're counting down the days, but um, Shravya has a little going on on her plate. Just a little, right? Just a little. I mean, college application season is real, but um, we are very happy to have this time to talk to you guys about the WTA season this year. Um, it has been a very busy past couple of weeks for us for multiple different reasons. So we apologize for kind of going off the grid for a little bit. But we we promise you that our recap episodes are bound to compensate for that. Um, and we're also very, I feel like, I don't know, I don't even want to think about the 2022 tennis season right now because this was already a lot. But before we get into our tournaments and talking about players and all of that, we do want to give you an update on the Peng Shuai story. Yeah, so just a super quick recap, because if you want to go back to hear the whole story, go to episode 78 or um, 77, where we give you like the whole spiel. But um, again, so former world number one doubles player Peng Shuai accused a top Chinese Communist Party leader of sexual assault and has since gone, quote, missing. Like, she's made appearances, but she's technically still, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's There's a lot of, like, speculation that these video appearances that are Chinese staged. media has put out are staged, exactly. Um, and even the IOC held a vi- the IOC chair held a video conference with her. Yeah. But people also think that that was sort of so orchestrated. She's like being held captive, is that the right way to say it? We don't need it, there's not enough information yeah. out there, but she hasn't been able to come out herself on her own social media, give her own personal statements aside from an email that was sent to the WTA so which sketchy which, so which sketchy. was so yeah, exactly. Um and also you have to realize that with the Beijing Winter Olympics coming up, the IOC really wants to do everything they can to keep their keep themselves clean from this, even though exactly. they're not so that is mm-hmm. part of the reason that that video conference was also so heavily publicized by the IOC. Um, but we do have an update from the WTA CEO and chairman, Steve Simon. On December 3rd, he announced the suspension of WTA tournaments and business in China pending Peng Shuai's appearance. And this is big. WTA has huge stakes in China ever since actually sort of Lina came to the stage and made tennis huge there. The WTA has really invested in that country. Um, the WTA finals 
had been there, there was that whole Asian swing at the end of the year, um, so where there were a lot of 1,000 events. So this is huge. Yeah, so the exact quote from the statement was, with the full support of the WTA Board of Directors, I am announcing the immediate suspension of all WTA tournaments in China, including Hong Kong. In good conscience, I don't see how I can ask our athletes to compete there when Peng Shui is not allowed to communicate freely and has seemingly been pressured to contradict her allegation of sexual assault. So, as you can see, the fact that they've made a direct effort to do something about this situation is just, it's not even amazing. It's just a bare minimum. And we're surprised to see it because of um, reactions we've seen by t- tennis tours in the past. For example, we are going to name names, the ATP tour and Zverev's allegations. Mm-hmm. This is a complete... This is basically like the polar opposite reaction that could have happened. And we're so glad that um, the WTA is making an effort to make things right and to protect their players, each and every one of them. Yeah. And it is it should be noted that both the ITF and the ATP haven't said anything about pulling out of their tournaments. The ITF said that they refuse to do so because they don't want to disappoint 1.4 billion people. So ridiculous. Um, and I think that, uh, well, no, I don't think that. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you this is the truth. The ATP hasn't said anything saying that it will pull out either. But um, some players, like Nicholas Mahout, for example, have been really vocal. And he said that he will not be playing in China at all. So that's the type of stance that we love to be, um, to, to be witnessing. But... There are also a lot of conflicts of interest in this because looking at the ATP board of directors and people in high positions there, a lot of them have close links to companies based in China. Mm-hmm. The ATP has a lot of financial ties a in China. Lot of but then I think of think to myself, so does the WTA. The WTA took a huge financial risk pulling out of China that I mean, there, you've just got to understand that there are it, like human rights come before financial obligations or financial benefit and also big hats off to steve simon actually like i will be honest when i heard that he was taking place as the ceo and chairman of the wta i was like huh that's kind of weird like i would like you know to have like a a guy in that position like it's Mm -hmm. not that strange but i was i was a little hesitant as you know is probably natural but he's been nothing but awesome these past few years and this showed that as well yeah it really did and like you said it's just like the fact that the atp couldn't do anything about it the fact that the wta was able to take a stance and the fact that they're doing it they did it first that it would have been easier for other um tours and businesses to pull out of or china especially tennis related businesses like for example the atp could have had such an easier time pulling out of um china when the wta already had and that way they can make a bigger impact altogether because that's basically the entire tennis world so it just yeah um and then like shravio was mentioning earlier um the ioc has been holding video calls with peng shui so the first one was about 30 minutes long and consisted of the ioc president thomas bach 
Peng Shui, a Chinese sports official and an additional IOC representative, and that took place on November 21st. And again, like, yes, technically Peng is making appearances, but there's still so, there's just not, there's something off about it because she was smiling widely the entire time and she was surrounded, surrounded by stuffed stuffed animals. animals so bizarre it's just all strange it just seems very much orchestrated in my view and also like if she's really safe why not let her speak for herself um but the good thing is is that her story has really made big appearances in the mainstream news um i know that you know there have been a lot of stories on tv american news channels as well and other people who aren't really following up tennis know about it as well um you know, for example, like at my school, like my friends who don't follow tennis knew about it. Our one person on our school newspaper wrote an article about it and we put it on the, you know, it's just good to see that people are talking about it because it is so much more than just a tennis issue and honestly more than a sports issue as well. Um, but we do want to also highlight some good news that has happened in the past few days, which is that Amelie Moresmo has become the first female tournament director of Roland Garros. Uh, You may know her as the former world number one Grand Sam champion, but also Andy Murray's former coach, which was at that time, and honestly still today, such a big deal to have a female player slash coach coaching an ATP player. So we love to see Andy Murray's feminism shine through and have Amelie's uh effects rub off on him but uh i i hope that moresmo's appointment will make the this tournament leaps and (laughs) bounds better than it has been the past few years yeah for sure um she said i am very proud to join the roland garo team i have accepted the position of tournament director with clear ambitions i will carry them out with the same high standards freedom and passion that have always driven me so i am so excited for this new era of the french open and honestly you know girl bosses do it right so i think only positive things in this situation and also key thing to note here is that Amelie Marisma was also the first WTA player to come out as lesbian since Martina Navratilova. So she really is a game changer in the sport. Such a big icon of visibility. So we are, if you can't tell, stoked that she's taking this position. All right, now it is time for us to recap how the ladies did this year. We love the WTA. I think Josephine and I have really discovered ourselves as WTA fans this year. We've kind of found some of our favorite players. This was our first full season that we were able to dedicate to watching tennis together as a podcast duo. So I think that we're especially proud of some of our faves, seeing comebacks, seeing a lot of game-changing results and activism um and also a lot of heartwarming stories and of course gen z representation so before we recap the season we're going to tell you um the wta awards this year the wta announced its 2021 winners so player of the year we had ash barty she won five titles this year most of all wta players this season we love the barty party and then doubles team of the year we had uh, Krejcikova and Sinyakova, so they also did very well. And Krejcikova 
also, I mean, on the singles tour, both doubles and singles, she was quite the star. Um, and she was actually also voted most improved player of the year. So that would be Krejcikova. And then we had newcomer of the year, no surprise, Emma Raducanu, who has been like the star of the WTA tour ever since, especially the U.S. Open, but even even Wimbledon. Yeah. So um, big things from her this year, especially on the representing Gen Z plane. Yes. Comeback Player of the Year and Sportsmanship Award winner was Carla Suarez Navarro. It was great to see her back on court and finish her career uh, on the tennis court as a you know active player, at least. And then Coach of the Year, we had Conchita Martinez winning that. And she is um, former WTA player, but also Garbini Muguruza's coach. So well-deserved awards there. But now let's rewind to the Australian Open Swing throwback time we had all the quarantine and the hard quarantine drama but let's talk about who really showed up at that tournament and what went on because to be honest when I was going back and researching for this section I forgot so much Mm -hmm. yeah the I mean the quarantine and hard quarantine itself was just so much at the time I remember how like involved we were in that and now it just seems so so far away i mean we're literally we're like less than a month or exactly a month ish from another australian open so it's crazy to be talking about this one um so let's talk about jennifer brady so she was a hard quarantiner (laughs) and she really you know she represented um athletes that had gone to college and she because she was part of the UCLA Bruins and um I remember she kept um Mackenzie McDonald also a fellow UCLA Bruin they were like constantly supporting each other it was awesome so she was the finalist the Australian Open finalist she was coming off of her US Open 2020 semifinal run um she struggled to find her form throughout the rest of the season after this final and is sidelined until march of 2022 which is unbelievable so she has a boot on right now i'm not sure what happened but i do know that she is injured and she went through surgery so it's really sad because she carried through as you were saying her u.s open success so well into the australian open and to see that and she kind of fell off after that we didn't really hear much about her for the rest of the season and I was sort of hoping that maybe she could make a hard court comeback towards the end of this year but unfortunately that didn't happen and you know our defending champion at this tournament was also an American Sophia Kennan who we also literally haven't seen much at all she was um you know coming off of last year's sort of rocky-ish year like oh no 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 it was not rocky last year she had a good year in 2020 she was wta player of the year in 2020 Mm -hmm. what am i saying um yeah of course she won the australian open french open final like she had such an amazing time and then in her sophomore season she lost in the second round to kaya kanepi she then entered the phillips island trophy which is that sort of alternate tournament for people who lost in the early rounds of the Australian Open and she lost in the first round of that to an 18 year old um really low ranked player 
And Sophia Kinnan has kind of been on a downhill ever since. I mean, she hasn't been on court since Wimbledon. Um, she's taken a lot of time off. I really do hope she can get her game back because she was such an interesting type of player to have on the scene. So we'll see how she recovers from a really difficult season. Yeah, um, it kind of it reminds me a little bit of Bianca, but also not really because mm-hmm. it's not. I don't think it has to do with injury. I think it's just like yeah. I think it's a bit mental. Yeah. I think it's it's difficult when you're so young and you have your breakthrough, and then especially in this day and age to face all that pressure. Like it's a lot. Yeah. So and then speaking of which, but also that's not the only thing she should be associated with. Our champion, our Australian Open twenty twenty one champion, was Naomi Osaka. So she pulled off the U.S. Open, then Australian Open consecutive tournament wins again. Um, which was amazing to see. She had a really tough draw. She had to defeat Jabor, and she saved match points against um, Muguruza, and she defeated Serena. And then if you remember that um, press conference that we saw where Serena left crying, and there was like a sort of tingle, that's not the right word. The, um, the, Entangling. the like, uh. the, the, the sentiment of retirement was kind of her hinting yes, at it yeah that's the word and uh she, and then she defeated brady in the final and brady was playing amazing tennis but i mean if you want to talk about serena in the australian open for a little bit so there was that announcement that she's not going to play the 2022 australian open which is um it's a little nerve-wracking but um here we are not really sure what we can do about it i know it's really sad because We've been sort of waiting and waiting and waiting for her to get to this seemingly elusive number of 24. But she's also so much more than that. She, you know, I, I don't think she's retiring just yet. I don't think she would just, like, disappear mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. But she is having, I mean, from what we've seen from her Instagram, she's having so much fun with her daughter. She's having so much success in her business. Oh, my God, ventures. the movie. Like, the she movie. Is, the movie oh like she so is good. really girl bossing it she is really really doing well so um as josephine was saying osaka really at the beginning of 2021 you know after ca- getting that title she solidified her supremacy on the tour at least on the hard court circuit she was continuing her 23 match win streak um which did end in miami but unfortunately since then osaka there that was kind of sort of the mm-hmm. end of her really amazing run of tennis we're going to talk about her sort of mental health stuff later but that's why it seems like australian open was so long ago um we're going to talk also a little bit about the best non-grand slam tournaments within these seasons we've kind of split up the season into different surface type seasons it you'll 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 see what we mean so kind of in this australian open swing we also had the arab hard court swing come after that so we're going to loop that in with this so the tournament that we want to talk about is dubai which was a wta 500 event um we want to talk about this because this tournament really allowed us to see two of the season's biggest breakouts kind of really make an impact um whereas we may not have noticed it then they certainly made some waves throughout the rest of the year so Garbini and Muguruza defeated Barbara Krejcikova in the final um and this is when Muguruza took her place at the top of the 2021 WTA with the most wins and the most finals so far plus this title and this was right after she reached the Doha final um and Krejcikova we had 
previously only really known of her as a doubles player. Mm -hmm. But the fact this final was kind of like, okay, she's someone we need to be looking at. And she kind of didn't fall out of the picture. Yeah. I think it's crazy to, like, look back at these tournaments and be like, wait, how did how did that not ring a bell? Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, Dubai was awesome. We, we had, like, Muguruza really stepping in, and honestly, Muguruza's season after was just phenomenal, and we were so happy to see it because we are huge Mugu fans. Also, can we talk about the Muguruza-Krychikova rivalry that kind of, yeah. that kind of, like, started here but then it kind of continued into the u.s open and then um the wta finals you know kind of seeing the patterns and then um so what we're just gonna say like the best player and the breakout player of each kind of like segment of this season so this was the australian open slash australian slash arab hardcore swing so we thought the best player here was naomi osaka because she just really asserted her dominance on the playing field we know that she's a phenomenal hardcore player and here she was just able to prove it at the australian open so it was amazing to see and then yes she fell off the grid for a little bit but obviously we're going to talk about it later but we're talking about the Australian hardcore swing. So she really did amazing there. And then our breakout player was Muguruza, who had more of a resurgence than a breakout because it was kind of her comeback. And especially following that tough loss to Osaka at the Australian Open where she had match points, to be able to come back and thrive after that, is it just takes a hell of a player. Yeah. All right, now we're going to continue with the hardcore season, but now this is our spring hardcore um, kind of period, and we're going to talk about the Miami Open here since, you know, this is part of the Sunshine Double, and it was a huge tournament, and also the beginning of Ash Barty really coming and showing that she is here to stay at the number one spot. So in the final, Ash Barty defeated Bianca Andreescu after she won the first set and had to retire. And then, uh, well, after Barty won the first set and then Andreescu had to retire. Um, so since the tournament didn't take place in 2020, Ash was the reigning champion. And she had an okay Australian Open. She reached the quarters, I believe, and then had a really tough loss to Carolina Muhova, which was a very I I still remember that match to this day because my mom and I were watching it and we were rooting for Ash and just both players were not at their best and it was honestly such a ridiculous <laughs> match but regardless um this title at Miami really signaled another reigning year for her especially at these big level tournaments she brings it there um she then lost in the final of the next 1,000 she played, but then won the one after that. So she really kept this steady level of play, and we're going to talk about her impact, um, especially at Wimbledon, in just a bit. And for Bianca, this was amazing because she'd won the 2019 U.S. Open. Since then, she'd been totally out from injury. But for her to reach this final was huge. She has some great matches in Miami. But... It was then just same story again, seeing her retire in the final. Like, you have to wonder whether there's something about her game, something about, you know, maybe, I don't know what it is. She's just very injury prone, and it it has had a mental 
impact on her. She's talking about that very openly. She's also someone who's not playing the 2022 Australian Open, kind of. She talked about how her grandmother recently had a really tough battle with COVID. And it's, you know, especially in such an isolating time to deal with injury after injury and all the other stuff going on, it's been difficult. But, um, you know, it, 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 it was still good to see her have that run. yeah so and then also let's talk about the two semi finalists we had in this tournament at miami they proved to be a force later in the year as well i mean alina svitolina she took a title later in the year and she was also a consistent force in the big tournaments especially later in the year especially after she became alina monfi actually which is pretty funny so um and then we had maria sakari and then this semi-final appearance like really kicked off a year of big semi-finals for her she had two grand slam semi-finals following this and the wta finals so it was just a phenomenal year for her and actually every time she made a huge appearance in a tournament every like the one thing that would stand out is like she's the first greek woman to do all this which was amazing that she was like she was constantly walking with her flag around her, well, metaphorically speaking, of course. But um, yeah, it was just an awesome year for her, and we were so glad to see it. And then again, like going back to these tournaments at the beginning of the year and seeing how it all started out, it's just kind of like, it's a nice full circle moment for us. Definitely. Um, now we're going to transition into the clay swing. Not just if we had a nice favorite, but we do appreciate parts just of it. Because dirt. At least speaking personally, one of my favorite players of 2021 uh, really shown through here. So this was kind of where, the way I put it was, this is where our sort of quote-unquote second wave of WTA of 2021 stars came to surface, namely Sakari, Bedosa, and Krejcikova. Ignore the totally unintentional COVID pun in second wave, but it's sadly fitting. Um... But we're going to talk about the best non-Grand Slam tournament first because it was the Mutua Madrid Open, a 1,000-level event um, that came before the French Open. So in the final, Arena Sabalenka defeated Ash Barty. So as Josefina and I were saying earlier, Ash was really bringing it at these 1,000-level events. Um, and this was also a huge deal for Sabalenka, who made some really good progress this year in terms of establishing herself at the higher level tournaments but um I we both I mean there's still a long way for her to go but this was kind of her first time this season showing that it was a huge title for her um Barty again continuing her stellar form she did unfortunately have to pull out from the French Open with an injury but as we were saying before the second wave stars but also some other clay season specific breakout stars really start to show through here. Bedosa uh, made it to the semifinals at Madrid, losing to Barty, and Pavlyuchenkova also made it to the semis, um, which foreshadowed her French Open success. Yeah, so now we get to talk about the French Open, you know. Get to talk about? I feel like get to is like a bit too Or nice. maybe the French Open now has the honor of us speaking about it. <laughs> exactly. But remember, this is this is not Amelie Moresma French Open. Yeah, this yeah, is pre Amelie Moresma French, French Open. French Open. And yes, yeah, that's our, yeah. Yes, that's the name of the previous <laughs> tournament director. His name was actually well, it's probably like Guy Forget, but <laughs> we're gonna pronounce it as Guy Forget because I think he forgot how a tournament is supposed to run. 
Um, anyways, um, so defending champion Iga, oh my god, Iga, our queen Iga, um, she was knocked out in the quarterfinals by Sakari, so, I mean, uh, she was definitely dealing with, like, the pressures, she's such a young player, and we just forget it because of how mature she is, but she was definitely dealing with the pressures of, like, her sophomore season, she certainly did not have a bad season whatsoever, she reached the at least a round of 16 of every grand slam so the fact that she was still consistent is still phenomenal and i mean it's going it's always going to be hard for her to match her 2020 french open she even admitted that she benefited from the amount of players that were absent from the french open in 2020 but either way i mean the fact that she was still able to be consistent throughout the year and on tour is just such a um, showcase of mental strength from her and maturity and I mean Sviatek did win the Italian Open later and um, uh, she beat Pliskova in the final with a double bagel and she reached kind of an iconic moment yeah that that match and she reached the doubles finals of the French Open with Bettany Matic Sands which is insane so we're gonna count that as a W towards her single side because we just love her all around. Certainly. Um, now, the French Open started messy, and it ended messy. Um, we started with Naomi Osaka making the decision to boycott uh, press conferences because she felt like she needed some time off for her mental health, and she felt like the press was being too... Sort of, she just didn't feel comfortable there. She felt like they were, or some members of the press, rather were doubting her or like sowing seeds of doubt about her game preparation whatever whatever um and then the grand slams threatened suspending naomi for future major tournaments and then osaka ended up withdrawing from the french open which really opened up a huge conversation about mental health both in tennis and throughout sports because she's such a big star um we certainly talked a lot about this throughout the year this was a huge topic and um really you know got the conversation started so i think it'll be interesting to see how these tours respond and continue to respond the wta has implemented mental health resources for its players now which was you know the first sign of her impact but we'll continue to see how that story evolves and then so back to the tennis side of things at the french open i mean the semifinals were pretty insane um so we had Pavlyuchenkova versus Zdancic and the other one being Krajcikova versus Sakari so I think the only player here that we were kind of expecting was Sakari because like I said she was a dominant force throughout the season Mm -hmm. but the other three were just like wow like Zdancic wow (laughs) Zdancic I know (laughs) I forgot. I literally <laughs> oh forgot that she got there. This is just like, I can't even imagine what we were thinking when this was actually happening. I know. I, yeah. So, what ended up happening, spoiler alert, but not really because technically it already happened. Krajcikova defeated Pavlyuchenkova in the final, and she took the singles and doubles titles, which was pretty awesome. And then, I mean, we already saw her making some, like, singles appearances in the season most recently the Strasbourg final also clay so I mean it was like it was leading up to the moment 
we not necessarily the title, but it was leading up to it. But then all of a sudden, here we are, Krejcikova being the 2021 French Open champion. And she did stay a dominant force throughout the year, or else I don't think she would have made the AT or the WTA finals. But, um, but, um, but, uh, yeah, that's the French Open for you. <laughs> right. Now, for our best clay season player of the year, we have picked Paula Bedosa. And let us explain. Um, aside from just the Madrid semis, Bedosa reached the Belgrade, um, sorry, she won the Belgrade title, French Open quarterfinals, pulled off the Barty upset in Charleston to start off her great clay season. Um, so overall, she really continued to show that success. Um, I think it's arguable between Badosa and Krejcikova who you want to pick, but Krejcikova didn't really do well on clay until getting to the Strasbourg final right before the French Open and winning that, whereas we felt that Badosa had kind of really shown some strong tennis throughout the entire clay season, but you can feel free to, you know, disagree. Um, but for our breakup player, we did pick uh, Krejcikova because, you know, she really came out of nowhere well not well yeah nowhere and won that grand slam and the doubles title as well as josephina was saying but there were honorable mentions in the brago category as we said paula bedosa could be put in there as well but also coco goff she took the parma title single and doubles and she also reached the french open quarterfinals so clay season really opened some doors um for for players to really make some unexpected runs certainly and then and then we have the grass swing i remember <laughs> by the end of the clay swing we were just counting down the seconds to when we would be able to have our lovely fresh cut fresh cut green um grass and uh yeah we did so let's talk about wimbledon for a second you know that classy classy tournament um so ash barty again we're talking about this amazing phenomenal beautiful woman she took it in the final against carolina pliskova the eighth seed and i mean again it's a barty party and ash brings the top-notch tennis once again so if you want to go back and remember that Ash actually won exactly 50 years after Yvonne Goolagong, a fellow indigenous Australian woman. So kind of another full circle history moment, which was phenomenal. And then Karolina Pliskova played a solid game to get the, to the final. She kept coming so close to make taking titles all year. She made the Italian Open Finals, the Canadian Open Finals, and she's just still proved that she's a consistent force on tour. I mean, Wimbledon Finals... That says a lot about a player, and she was phenomenal to do so. Yeah, we also had some breakthroughs, though, with Anjabur, Ayla Tomljanovic, and Emma Raducanu. All of them made the second week with Jabur and Tomljanovic making it to the quarterfinals. So those are also two of our faves. Um, but with Raducanu, this was sort of the first time we saw her on the scene she was a wild card she made the round of 16 was forced to retire during that match against Isla but that is where who knew that Raducanu's best months of her life were about to get started yeah that was um pretty insane um and then we had kind of like that tournament within the grass season that we kind of count as something good 
so we had the Viking International Eastbourne Tournament, the WTA 500, where Yelena Ostapenko defeated Annette Contivate. So this was actually Ostapenko's like first breakout performance in a few years, and we were all rooting for her by the end of it. I mean, we haven't to see like one of those young Grand Slam winners kind of come back and win another title is always amazing because they prove that they're still a force despite all the doubts going against them. And then, of course, we had Annette, who, I mean, this would really be a precursor to an excellent season following, especially on the hard court, but the fact that she was able to um, kind of assert her dominance on grass as well to be an all-surface player is really important to show so it was awesome that she was able to do that and then for best player of the grass swing we want to put Angelique Kerber because she took the bad Homburg 250 title we called it Bah Humbug just because that was funny and she made the Wimbledon semifinals as the 25th seed so just an amazing grass swing from her and really resurgent um tennis as well because obviously she's always been an amazing tennis player but to see her actually show up in later rounds of tournaments and take a title for herself was certainly amazing definitely and breakout player obviously goes to emma raducanu she got people talking um she had success at her home grand slam so I mean, I think we don't really need to explain this further, especially considering the rest of the season she had, but she certainly became a big star even before the U.S. Open. Um, quick little Olympics recap. Gold, silver, bronze, Benchic, Vondrosova, and Sotolina. Um, Sotolina, this was actually, I think, my favorite result was her winning the bronze medal um, because she's been such a constant force on the tour these past few years, but sometimes has sort of maybe not gotten to that level that her counterparts have, like Simona Halep and um, other players of her sort of mini generation because she still kind of, kind of never really was able to make that Grand Slam breakthrough. But getting this medal was obviously a huge deal for her, so we were super happy about that. And also, someone like Benchich had a really great season this year, though, so winning that gold medal was certainly not um, unsurprising as she did lead her Fed Cup team, or sorry, her Billie Jean King Cup team um, to the semifinals later in the year as well. So now we get to talk about, you know, that U.S. Open series, including the U.S. Open. And actually, I think, I like that the U.S. Open has this, like, little group of tournaments that um, precede it. So it's like a neat little bubble of tournaments. But either way, the U.S. Open... What a tournament. Oh my god. We had Emma Raducanu defeating Layla Fernandez, female Gen Z represented in this tournament. And Emma was the first qualifier to win a Grand Slam. She did not drop a single set and her ranking rose from 150 to 23. And again, there was all that talk about um the hype that she got after and during the tournament. And we did speak about that in depth when we actually were covering the tournament but wow she got a lot of attention and obviously there's talk of what that will do for her future and how many expectations she has riding on her and we've seen her play after the U.S. Open so it really I guess everyone's just like on their tippy toes about how next year is going to play out for her. 
Indeed. And honestly, Layla, she was also on an upset train, and I think she actually had a tougher main draw. Well, I mean, you know, you can argue Emma had to come through qualifying. Layla defeated stronger players throughout with Osaka, Kerber, Svitolina, and Sabalenka. Um, and I think it goes into the radar that Sabalenka made the semifinals of the U.S. Open, um, as did Maria Sakkari. So continued breakthrough in the Grand Slam level from someone like Sabalenka and Sakkari. Um, but honestly, it was just amazing to see this happen because the two of them brought so much attention to the sport. Emma and Layla, I mean. Everyone was talking about this all-teen final, and we've been talking about the depth of the tour, hence our episode title, Rolling in the Deep, <laughs> which Josephina came up with. Um, we've been talking about the depth of the tour all year, and these two girls really showed that and brought such great attention to the tournament and to the sport, even more so than the men's side of the tournament, um, which is unconventional. So that was amazing from them. Um, but yes, certainly a U.S. Open to rese- uh, remember. In terms of our best non-Grand Slam tournament, we had back-to-back 1,000 levels with the National Bank ending on the 15th, um, which I believe is the Rogers Cup, and the Western and Southern Open starting on the 16th, and Ash Barty, <laughs> Barty Party did it again at the Western and Southern, defeating Jill Teichman in the final. She didn't drop a set the entire tournament, and I mean... We're not going to talk about the heartbreaking loss to Shelby Rogers, which still haunts me to this day at the U.S. Open. But, I mean, you can see why Ash got this Player of the Year award. As for the Rogers Cup, Camila Georgie won that, defeating Karolina Pliskova in the final. Huge underdog. Good for her, but... <laughs> tennis, man. Like, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, um... Yeah, just like another Zidantec moment, but uh, yeah, here we are. We are in in <laughs> Canada. Uh, so our best player of the hardcourt swing. I'm gonna put Karolina Pliskova because she was. I like that. She was a dominant force throughout every single big tournament in the U.S. Open hardcourt swing. We had her in the National Bank Finals, at the Western and Southern Semifinals, U.S. Open Quarterfinals. So just to be extremely dominant so consistently, I think that deserves some, from some, bleh, English some credit. <laughs> um, so she's getting it from us. And, of course, breakout player. I mean... It's kind of obvious. Yeah. Emma Raducanu, all the attention was on her after that win, even now, even leading into next year. So I guess we're all just waiting uh, what's going to happen next year. But um, yeah, so now we're going to move into some of, you know, some stuff later in the year, some more recent stuff. We had the indoor hardcourt swing showcasing the WTA finals as well as some other smaller tournaments. But we had just one player screaming, yelling. We had we were yelling her name because, wow. Wait, who? Are we... Contivate? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> I was confused for the... Yes, Annette Contivate. We have become such huge fans of her. Go follow her Instagram if you don't already. It is adorable. She is a the queen. vibes. Oh like, my god. She makes me she makes me want to move to Estonia. Like Tallinn looks so pretty. We should like visit. we should visit. Oh my um god. but we're gonna kind of speed through this section because this is all kind of re- recent, but it kinda of ties together the whole season. 
Um, first, talking about the WTA Finals, we had Queen Garby reigning supreme in Guadalajara, defeating Contivate in the final. Badosa and Sakari were other semifinalists, and these four were some of the biggest breakthroughs this season. Notably, we should note that Ash Barty did not play the WTA Finals. She wanted to stay home because she hadn't been able to return home all year because of Australia's quarantine protocol. Um, but players like Krajcikova, Sabalenka, Pushkova, and Iga, the other four um, people in this in in the finals group, didn't do as well. Um, Krajcikova kind of had a rough single season ever since her U.S. Open exit, and Sabalenka had a lot a lot of ups and downs. She did make those breakthroughs at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, but got COVID um, before Indian Wells couldn't play that, and then kind of just I mean not much else happened after that and then ego we talked about the sophomore season like pressure um but you know it it was it was still a very strong showing for all these women and understandable that some of the players who played well towards the end of the year like contivate um really shone through but and I guess you could say Bedosa as well but she had that good clay season but really these four kind of stood the test and I mean, I, to be honest, was most impressed by Maria Sakari this whole season Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, improvement. And she showed that throughout the entire season, which I thought was super impressive. And, um, like, we talked about this last episode, but um, Muguruza is going to rise to world number three now. We are so proud of her. She has had such a resurgence this past year. It's so amazing to see, like, one of those players from, you know, kind of a past era of tennis come back and then just do it again Mm -hmm. like we're seeing another peak and she gets to like she was part of history but now she's making it as well as we speak so it's just amazing to see and uh notable mentions include Ange Jabor she just missed out on qualifying because of injuries and um I mean we had Annette's insane indoor play which we're going to mention a little bit more later but um also like we said the WTA announced that they will no longer be hosting any tournaments in China the WTA finals will presumably take place in Guadalajara next year as well which is amazing now you can't imagine how much I love those cough medicine courts um but still uh yeah what an end to the season and I love how it's players that you know we we always like talk about so well on the podcast right um in terms of our best non-grand slam tournament we gotta give it to the Transylvania Open they understood the assignment with the theme the Halloween stuff the fun environment and of course the result with Annette Condivate winning that title um so that was also a new tournament so I'm really excited to see that continue to you know be a be a nice tournament on the calendar but as far as best player of the indoor season and breakout player we're saying our bestie Annette Contivate. she skyrocketed from the top 30 to the top 20 uh sorry to the top 10 during this time a 29 and 4 record in her last eight tournaments of the season including the WTA finals and three titles at the end of the year as well as at Eastbourne final earlier in the season so I mean she really had an awesome year and so did a lot of the women that we've been talking about this episode I do want to emphasize the Anj Jabour thing because I mean 
we she didn't qualify for the WTA finals, but she's someone we've talked about all year, made so much history for Arab tennis. Um, Wimbledon breakthrough. Um, she she just I mean, made it to the top ten. Like she did a lot as well. So as far in addition to the names like Bedosa, Krajicova, Sakari, Barty, um, Contivate who we've been talking about a lot, Jabor is thrown right into that mix. It's just unfortunate she had those injuries near the end of the year. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you liked this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be rounding out the season, preparing for 2022, and of course, providing you all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be re- released later this week as we provide you with our ATP season recap. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time. <laughs>